Welcome to the Pantheon Plus Rewind. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 50 of The Rewind, the only podcast dedicated to all things Pantheon Rise of the Fallen, the upcoming MMORPG by Visionary Realms. And that's right, I said episode 50 because this marks the one-year anniversary of our little podcast. And to celebrate, we've got the whole Pantheon Plus band together for this one. Uh, minus one, but we'll get into that in a second. But uh, not only today am I joined by my ever roguish co-host, Minus, but also joining us today are my fellow Canucks, Haya and Poiru. Welcome to the podcast, you guys. Fellow human being, you may call me Portland Contrary to popular book. <laughs> uh, oh, the robot broke. Nice. We're, le- we're yeah. leaving that in. We're leaving that in. That's perfect. Hey, What's guys, up? So- <clears throat> you may call me Poi, and I had all of this robot voice to introduce myself, but obviously, as pretty much everyone knows, uh, there's a bug, or there was a bug, yeah. I'll fix it later. <laughs> that's, all that's, a, that's actually a pretty good intro for you. That, that's exactly pretty much what uh, your P-plus uh, job is, fixing <laughs> bugs and uh, dealing with things that don't work sometimes. Yep. Right on, man. Well, welcome. Hiya, how are you? I'm doing quite good. Thanks for having me in. Right on. Awesome. There's so, so minus, much Canadian we, here. There's so much Canadian here. Yeah, I, we you know what, about, though? I'm ready for this because I've been watching a lot of Letter Kenny. So I'm good. Yes. You're well versed. Oh, I remember we were talking about what we were going to call this episode. You were thinking three, uh, three Canadians and a halfling. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, we didn't go with that. So <laughs> anyway, we haven't, we haven't sat down and talked, minus you and I, for, for two weeks now. We've had that interview take up the last two weeks. And I know you've got pent up energy and you're ready to go. We've got a big episode. Are you, uh, you able to go to distance on uh, episode 50 here? Yeah. And I think uh, I'll give everyone a heads up. This is probably gonna be a little bit of a longer one with all four of us here chatting and talking and getting into the stories we get into. So buckle up. Um, you got two short episodes the last two weeks at like 40, 45 minutes. So a little bit longer today, I'm going to guess. I don't know for sure, but what do you think? Yeah, I'm definitely thinking we're going to go a little long, but uh, I feel like we owe it to the to the listeners because, like I said, like you said, the last two episodes were a little shorter than usual. So um, let's get right to it. But we got to introduce our our adventuring party as always. Um, but this this week it's not a party. We got a raid. Yeah, we got a twelve person raid that formed to take on Sleepless. Um, we had a great great time last week during the uh, premiere, and uh, we had a good looking bunch of uh, people in for the raid this week. A couple of tanks. Plenty of healers, loads of DPS. So here's the members of our of our weekly uh, raid party this week. We got Bobo, the Dwarf Cleric. We Smoke Bitcoins, the Dark Mirror Summoner. A Wizen on the Ashen Elf Wizard. Dustin Harms on the Archive Druid. Redbeard Flynn, Dark Mirror Monk. Your Gatorbait on the Dark Mirror Rogue. Walking Waste on the Dwarf Cleric. Solitude on the Dark Mirror Cleric. Brian Rack on the Gnome Summoner. Crow Singing on the Halfling Druid. Sparrow on the Elf Druid. And Bounty Coat on the Human Paladin. So... That is a raid, if I've ever seen one. Um, if you want to join the party for next week, um, you can donate to the show during the premiere through that little button in the chat there. And if you do, make sure you give your future Pantheon race and class with your comments so that we can add you to the party. And as always, a huge thank you to those that choose to support the show. You know how much we appreciate it. And, um, you know, like I said, this this is the first time we've had a had a raid like this. So that's, that's it's a, pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Pretty, thank you, guys. I've already said a million times how I have no idea how to like say thanks. It's just kind of humbling and it's, I don't know. I feel like if I say anything, it's not enough. So (laughs) yeah, well, it's funny during, during the uh, premiere when we're all chatting and stuff and people are, people are 
contributing or whatever. And I'm always so busy thanking people that I'm not paying attention to anything else going on in the chat because I have so many thank yous to say. And, and anyway, it gets kind of nuts, but uh, certainly, certainly appreciate it. So awesome to see everybody come out last week. And then last but not least, we are going to uh, do a, a little uh, show of appreciation. Actually, it comes from Sparrow, our elf druid, and Bounty Coat, our human paladin. And they donated a $100 Leggett pledge to uh, the show today. So we're going to give that away during the premiere. And this pledge helps support Pantheon's development, as you may or may not know. Um, so if you're here for the YouTube premiere and you want to enter your name for the draw, just at Theric in the chat with a little YouTube uh, play button emoji. And uh, I will run the show during the uh, near the end of the show. I'll run the draw and uh, you can uh, walk away with a hundred dollar pledge. Um, if you want to know what that's include, what's included in that, go to PantheonMMO.com and check it out. Um, but uh, good luck to everyone who enters. And uh, again, much gratitude to Bounty Code and Sparrow. You guys are awesome. Thanks for supporting the show. So, but like we said, we've got a big show. So I think it's time to, uh, to get going. You guys ready? Let's do it. Oh, yeah. Nice. This week in Visionary Realms News and Notes. Okay, well, as is always the case, we start with VR and social media and news. And of course, they did have a developer stream, but we did a Pantheon Plus U on that. Drac put out an awesome uh, article recap on it. So I'm not going to get huge into that today because I think it's just going to take up a lot of time and we don't have that extra time to take up today. So what we're going to do is jump into, we haven't done this show um, like this in the regular format for, you know, almost three weeks. So there's a, there were a few really good Twitter questions that I wanted to make sure we got into. So the first one that came out from the Pantheon MMO Twitter was community debate, accessibility and quality of life get thrown a lot, thrown around a lot in MMORPG communities. But what do they actually mean to you? So pretty good question. There was a lot of responses. We uh, I just kind of skimmed through and picked some of the, the good, thoughtful ones. So we'll start with JJ, who's always seems to be featured and always has some good comments here. He says, I wouldn't say hand-holding. Uh, if there's a part of the game that's very frustrating that could be made better without sacrificing the intent of the game, I think quality of life change is warranted, such as removing a limit or giving freedom without diminishing difficulty or value. For example, increased bag space because item acquisition far exceeds given storage capacity, mount speed because the the work to obtain faster travel doesn't feel all that rewarding, or maybe sometimes it's a cosmetic change to help identify something in the world a bit easier. So Mm -hmm. it goes into quite a few things there. I like what he said about not sacrificing the intent of the game. Like that's really the key thing when you're talking about like quality of life, things like that. So you don't think like uh, BDO when it just has a line that runs you to the next quest so you can get up and go to the bathroom and stuff. That's not good. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I, I don't know if the intent of BDO, maybe that's the intent of the game is just to uh, get you to do that. So you can, uh, you know, I think the goals are, are a little different. Maybe. I don't know. I can't wait to make you play that game. It's going to be so good. <laughs> yeah, make me play it. <laughs> Keyword there. <laughs> yeah. MMORPG. Yeah, classes. I know. Um, Next one was uh, Gaming Fanatic. Uh, He says, quality of life that I believe in today was different from when we played EQ. If you're spending three or four hours in a dungeon and you finally get to the end boss, he says here that everybody should get loot that could be, that could, and it could be traded with one another. This will help you keep uh, modern MMO players intrigued. Yeah, that's a lot like the wow loot system do you like that system you're a big eq guy do you like how wow gives everybody loot or you can trade loot the way they do it i i like how wow does it um not everyone's guaranteed something but 
it's a personal loot system and I don't, I don't mind it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, Rabbery here says great examples of accessibility and quality of life are things like area looting, uh, not having to drag over and select quest items to turn them in. And they said like in Final Fantasy 14, automatically standing up and dismounting is that if that's required to do something, these things are not necessarily immersion breaking. <clears throat> Poiver, do you like that- the area looting? Well, yeah, it's pretty neat. So you don't have to go around and click on all of the corpses. But uh, I do find these, what Herbie um, mentioned, is really bare-bone quality of life. It, it has pretty much no game-breaking intent. Yeah. Derek, yeah, you were going to say looting, yeah. I don't know, man. That area looting bugs me. I, I've never been a fan of that but you know is it because i'm well, such a fast looter and then yeah. <laughs> as as evidenced on stream which we've actually seen occur <laughs> if we take the example of putting a quest item well when you're turning a quest uh automatically putting the item it's it's not game breaking it's just something that the game does for you and the game does not get in in your way of fun or mm. in your progress. Like it's just streamlined process. That's a good point. That's a good yeah. point. Extra, extra steps for the sake of tedium, not helpful. No. Yeah. Agreed. Caraborn was next. They said, I don't like much handholding, like a newbie hall or a quest to explain what my class role is um, in a party. It should be good enough without having to explain the full rotation. People should figure that out or look it up on their own. <laughs> it's intense. Um, as for quality of life, I find nothing wrong with it. And I actually prefer it since I'm a parent now. I don't want to spend most <laughs> of my time looting stuff individually. Also, I think auto loot is important overall, um, but I really don't care about AOE looting. So auto loot versus auto loot is a must. A must. But you, you know what? You know what? I'm saying it now. I'm actually doubting myself because yeah. this game is so um, group based. I only want auto loot when I'm soloing. Like if I'm soloing, I just want to click yeah. it and loot it, right? So no, my gosh, I can't believe I'm hearing what I'm hearing. That's crazy. I don't want any of that. <laughs> that auto looting is oh man, I love like looking down and looting a corpse and seeing what's on it. Like that's part of the fun. Uh, Agree. Yeah. I think yeah. when um, EQ put in its advanced loot window, that uh, just sucked all the fun out of it. Yeah. Well, I'm happy you brought that up because somebody talks about that. So we'll get there soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um, DM Harms, who's always uh, on, you know, everywhere for us, loves us and is a good dude. We love him. Um, accessibility is accommodating for sensory defects, which is actually an interesting take. For example, if a game's UI isn't customizable or doesn't have adjustable text size, it's a real problem for me being legally blind, he says. QLL is simply anything that streamlines the game's play experience, removing unnecessary waste. I'm going to just flat out say if UIs aren't customizable and that's considered quality of life, then I'm a huge fan of quality of life. Yeah. I I look at that as being an accessibility issue, just like DM Harms does here. I mean, Mm. it's like squinting, like my eyes are bleeding. That's an accessibility (laughs) problem. (laughs) Yeah. It's like when we play EQ together and I play in 4K. (laughs) Yeah. And you just can't see anything because it it wasn't really made for that. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're playing Dark Age of Camelot right now on Tuesday nights for our MMO classes. I can't see anything. I literally, yeah. they were told me like, I have to look at my combat box to be able to use my abilities at the right time. I'm like, I'm just going to click Which tiny them. box is that? Yeah. 
Exactly. It's so bad. It's I don't know how you're doing it. And the thing with that game is there's you have to read like in the little combat box. You can't there's no other way of knowing some of the information like they're giving you like combat information and like stuff you're looting and all kinds of stuff. And you can't read that. You're <laughs> totally screwed. Oh, man, that's good. Uh, Arc Bishop. I mess his name up every time. Arc Bishop. Just need to slow down. Uh, says he just wants to spotlight one of his favorite all time QOL changes from any game. EQ added an advanced loot window option where you could permanently set loot preferences for any items in the game. Garbage you didn't want in your bag, auto leave it on the corpse. That This was amazing. Um, how, yeah, you, when me and you started playing, the first thing you said to me was, okay, turn off this advanced loot. Turn that garbage off. <laughs> <laughs> on paper, the way he puts it, it sounds amazing. What it, what it really adds up to is that every time you kill something, a window pops up and covers your screen. That's why it doesn't work. Boy, did you play EQ when that window was around? No, I believe I played before that, so Same. I don't remember it. But from what I said, having a window that pops up when something dies, that would be pretty annoying. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, it was gone before that came around. So I'd, the yeah. only thing that Theric wants to pop up during his gameplay is the cash shop notifications. That's his favorite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only 30 more kills to your daily limit. Uh, Steven Adams was next. He says, QOL to me relates to the quality of my two-hour play session that evening. It's often things that allow quicker results. Traveling, binding, gating, looting, stack splits for crafting, map markers, etc. I like quality of life stuff as long as it allows me to do more in less time, but don't easy mode it. Accessibility is completely different. And this hurts uniqueness in my opinion. Not everyone should be able to level in the best uh, starter zone. Raid access should be earned and maybe not a not via a mon monumental task, but raid progression in Planes of Power, for example, um, I may not have time for these days. So he looked at accessibility quite a bit differently, but then he was mm -hmm. like, he was into like fast traveling and stuff, or I, I kind of read it like that. Maybe not. Maybe that's what he wasn't saying, but map markers, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, a lot of easy, uh, he says no easy mode, but I kind of feel like a lot of that stuff is easy mode stuff. Yeah. But, but that's reality me. is once you know where all the stuff is anyway, mm -hmm. it's easy mode for you. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Once the knowledge is there, it's just a matter of, it's just like, repetitive it's, more, it's not accessibility. It's not QOL. It's just familiarity at that point. That's true. That's well, a good point. Well, point. I, I'm curious what you think of this, because when I joined this community, the big thing everyone was talking about, is they don't want a map in game. They don't want like a map with any markers on it. They just want a flat map that you don't know where you're at. You can have to guess, you have to use landmarks and stuff like that. And when I first heard that, I was like, why? Like, that doesn't make sense to me, right? But in the time we've played, I probably know the areas that we've been in better than any zone I ever knew in WoW because I was never really looking at where I was going in WoW. I was just like, you know, flying there or, or walking in a straight line. Did you guys ever feel that way? Did you feel you could navigate really well in the zones you were in or were you kind of map looking? Well, absolutely. At some point, you just know the zone. Essentially, when you go in, there's some kind of trail. Where is everything? Where do I go? If, more so if it's in a, a new game or a, a new zone. Like, it's part of the game immersion. So I, I wouldn't want that 
to be taken away with like a quest marker popping, like maybe mm-hmm. even on a, a darkened area of the map or something. Just a, just a bear map. Mm, yeah. You like the bear map. Hi, how about you? Um, I'm not opposed to maps in games at all. Um, I think I would prefer like a fog map. And then as you explore the regions, it, it opens up. Are you okay with not having like your little arrow and all your friends arrows on the map? Oh, I'm fine without that. Yeah. I don't need that. So you're okay. Like you're good with like finding landmarks and stuff. Yep. Okay. Cool. Uh, two more here. We have uh, Benjamin Brooks as great example of handholding is these games that mark you on your map. Hey, look at that. Um, have a line, an actual line that draws to where you need to go. What the hell? I'm all, good, I'm all for a good map system, but my God, that takes it too far. So kind of what we were just talking about. And then finally, Strieg says, quality of life features remove boring and tedious activities so that you can spend your time having fun. The issue is that what is fun and what is not can be unique to the individual depending on if you find travel and exploration fun or boring would determine if a port stone is a quality of life or not. So that kind of wraps up everything. Oh yeah. That was pretty close to what you were talking about there. Yeah. Um, I think that's very well said. Derek, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with a lot of what people said. I mean, accessibility to me is just about minimizing barriers and not like, I don't think it applies to like in-game things like, you know, um, uh, dungeons and raids and that kind of stuff. I'm talking more about like, actual barriers to playing the game, like network problems, latency, server queues, that kind of stuff, language translations when I think about accessibility. And then quality of life is just, it's a little bit more nebulous, it's a little bit more unclear, but it's like a baseline reduction in needless actions, right? So stuff that's just annoying and not part of like the first tweet you read said about the game's fundamental design. So if as long as it doesn't have any sort of bearing on the game's fundamental, you know, challenge, design, gameplay loop, then, you know, I'm kind of okay with it. But I think a lot of things fall into that category. That's the problem I have sometimes. Yeah. And what I'm trying to think, like when I think quality of life, I think of like, like looking for group, like instantly teleports you into the dungeon. Um, I think of like flying mounts, honestly, even though I didn't hate them in a while, like it would really be bad to have a flying mount Pantheon when you're like doing all this climbing and stuff that would instantly be removed from the game because you could just fly. Um, so yeah, there's definitely things like that. Or like, um, I'll tell you one that killed me was, um, whenever planes of power came out, I was a wizard. I was teleporting people around. I used it as, and then all of a sudden every portal in the world was in this zone. I did not like that. I did not like the portal hub. Um, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. That's a good uh, point. Hi, yeah. What do you think? So I just think you were salty because you went broke in planes of power. <laughs> I did. <laughs> You mean he had money at one point? <laughs> what? This is news to me. I've never known him to have money to spend. Usually it's broke constantly. Druids and wizards had the monopoly on travel for yeah. so long. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Porter, what do point. you think? To wrap well, it up. I think, yeah, I think a, fa- a fast travel system, like maybe a few portal, like a few, for a very limited amount, is kind of not needed but appreciated if you guys remember in eq if you did like the run from freeport to alas like it just take 45 minutes or so minimum minimum so that (laughs) was tedious yeah yeah all right let's go to the next question i think we kind of all agree that you don't want it to break the game we want the challenge to be there we want the exploration to not be killed by quality of life but outside of that some stuff's okay is that, right. is that fair? Is that a fair recap? Totally. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much. 
All right, the next one here, this is interesting, and I'm really curious to hear what everyone here has to say for this. So it says, unpopular opinion, an MMO must cater to the competitive. Should Pantheon cater to the competitive, the casual, or both? Um, so the first person here, which I, there's no way I'm going to pronounce their name right. Let's go with uh, Tyriel. Um <laughs> Was that even, what do you think? Close. Tyriel is from Diablo, so uh, I'll give you that one. Okay. Three out of ten. Three out of ten. Okay. Uh, I wonder if a more useful terminology is fast pace versus slow pace, they say. Fast players do their best to get to endgame quickly. Slow players take more of the journey as the game approach. You need both for a populated feeling in an MMO. Uh, Players are content and you need that, or players are content and you need them throughout. So that is a Great, great response. I love how he says more useful termino- terminology is fast-paced or slow-paced. It's very well said. Really, really like that. Yeah, this is pretty good. Uh, next is Libwick. He says, you got to have both, of course. My favorite way to play is super casually, occasionally competitive, he said. So I <laughs> um, really like this next one from Nathaniel James. He says, endgame content in the end will always be competitive. They should cater to having a good story, lore, environment, and engaging world. If 90% of a player base cannot compete at the top level, then you need to have a quality game to keep them playing. Wait, what do you think of that one? Yeah, that's right on spot. Yeah. If the environment, like the questing, everything is engaging, even if you're not competing, well, maybe not competing, even if there's a raid that you won't ever see in-game, if there's enough content then you'll hang around and keep playing and playing. That's a pretty good point. Yeah. What do you think? I think there's something being overlooked with this question is that um, the competitiveness isn't about, you know, the 10% that will compete at the top level. I think it's more about accessibility for the rest to get to those raids. Cause mm. I don't, I don't, well, personally is different, but I don't think a lot of people would want to buy a game that they're not going to see the end game of period. That's good. What do you think there? Uh, you know what? That's an interesting point. Haya. I like I like your point, but I, I kind of disagree with what you said at the very end there. I think people would buy a game if, with the possibility that they might see it. You know, like there's no guarantee, but I think people would want that carrot on the end of the stick. Yeah. You know, if, if it's set like that, even though they might not see it, they'll still buy it because they want to see if they can get to that. Right. So, of course. And when I was speaking, it kind of came off a little bit more standoffish than I meant. I just mean, <laughs> um, it's, I don't know. It's tricky for me to explain it, what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Well, I, I think, were you, because you kind of went with the whole uh, personally, and then you kind of st- stopped for a second. Like, I'm going to say what I think you were trying to say is like, I'm going to see the content. Like, personally, I'm going to see it. Yeah. And if it was so hard that I couldn't get there, I wouldn't play it. Like, so <laughs> I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you guys. But, <laughs> but in MMOs, I'm pretty, like, I know it might sound arrogant, but I'm confident that. In most MMORPGs, I'm going to get to see the content I want to see. Yeah. I think that was a shared goal we always had when we ran guilds together and stuff was we're going to see it at our pace and get yeah. through it. I mean, well, be the first. funny thing is, yeah. like I think back to EverQuest and there was tons of content I never saw in EverQuest. I, I didn't see everything, right? And I played it for many, many years. But I did that knowing that I wasn't, you know, the, at the level or in, integrated enough with a guild or had a guild that could get me to some of the content never really bothered me that much. I, I always found it be like, I'm like, I don't know why that doesn't bother me. It just doesn't, you know, necessarily. Exactly. No, and it doesn't bother me either. Yeah. 
going back to uh, EQ, if, if you guys remember all of the keying that was required in Plane of Power, yeah, it took me a while to get uh, to um, Sol Tower of Solisec Row and a bunch of others on behind that. Right. But that was fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was very well done too. Yes, and I did it at my own pace, sometimes with my guild, sometimes with other guilds that just needed one more player. Yeah, the difference from, time. Yeah, the, the, the difference from what you said there, Theric, about EQ, I wasn't a good MMO player when I played EQ. <laughs> like, I'm just That's gonna, also true. Yeah, I was like, like 13 when I started that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I mean, everything that I did was a huge achievement. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> but like knowing what I know now and playing so many MMORPGs and like what we did and wow, like it's weird because psychologically, like that's the standard for me now. Like what we achieved mm -hmm. in wow, I wouldn't want to achieve less than that. I don't know. Yeah, which is why Pantheon's up against it really hard because it's they're dealing with a very experienced crowd. Yeah, you know that's one of their one of their fundamental challenges. Yeah, what they should do is make it so like weird buttons move you, like you just change the whole layout. <laughs> like like instead of W for up and you can't re keybind it, you use like Tab to move forward and you use like G to move back. <laughs> so, so you just don't have any comfort. Flip the universe upside down. <laughs> yeah. See what shakes out. <laughs> uh, no mouse is allowed to be used at all. You have to tab to everything. <laughs> just play with a joystick. Yeah, play with a joystick. <laughs> That's awesome. Flake. Can you imagine? Oh, boy. Right, let's keep going. Zendros here says, something that annoys me to no end is when developers make game changes due to a specific group of players. This inevitably affects the fun for other people that they were having. Ideally, a developer should cater to as many different groups as possible, but not at the expense of each other. I like that. I like that yep. one a lot. Um, I, I think yeah. to a good degree, that's unavoidable, though. You yeah. are never going to please all the people all the time. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, so Furious Pierre, this is a guy we love reading. Uh, we just love his name. We love his little sandwich soup, his whatever Twitter it is. Icon. His icon, yeah. yeah. Um, so he says competitive and casual enough to keep interest raid nerds. You need to keep them going craft nerds. Make sure they're good. Casual dorks. Got to feed them something. So they should have, like, nailed it. <laughs> yeah, he did. He totally nailed it. They should have like designations at like VR. It's like, okay, you're the raid nerd, you know, server. You're the lore nerd server. You know, like, it's like everybody yeah. has their own little target demographic that they have to you know, do their content for or something like that. That's funny. I like how aggressive he got, but then still made a great point. Um, <laughs> Tony Bacato says, uh, I, I think the cost to develop for the best 10 to 15% of the population is not worth it, but it creates something for the rest of the population to strive for. It's a hundred percent worth it. That's a really good way of putting it. Like if, if typically in MMORPGs, and I think that that 10 to 15% number is maybe not as, reliable as it used to be because yes, not everybody got to mythic rating in wow, but they still got to see and beat the bosses. And I don't want to count looking for group, but even in normal, like they at least got to see it. So I think that if you start there with the percentage of people who get to raid, it's a lot more than 10 to 15. It may not be, it's not 50%. It's probably still somewhere around 30 maybe, but it is a, it is a smart thing to say, like don't design everything for 30% of your players. I kind of agree with that. 
Yeah. And I, th- I think it's important for people who are not going to see that content to see other people who can do it. You know, mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where you just see somebody and it's not about like seeing their gear or anything like, that, but just knowing that there's this next level of player out there, like, you know, not, and if you're not like an egomaniac and you're like, okay with it, that's, it's sort of like inspiring, right? It's sort of like, or it's just sort of interesting if nothing else. Yeah. Two more. We have Kath Clark. She says, uh, you need to cater for a wider, wider range of play styles if you can. Games are sometimes used in a way that you might not imagine. Parents away from home often use games to keep in touch with their family. It's more fun to go on an adventure with your kids. And that was their foray into PvP. And finally, right. Ashley, you like that one? Ashley says, you cannot cater to everyone. There are too many variables to use blanket labels like casual and competitive. I think VR has a player base goal for Pantheon already, and that's who they should cater to. So... Pretty, pretty strong mm-hmm. there. Um, to wrap this up, like when you, what do you guys, how would you answer this question? Let's start with you, Theric. Like how would you, what, what, yeah, it's tough, <clears throat> right? Yeah. It, it's interesting. I, I don't like, I don't like putting people into these categories of casuals and competitives. I think there's, it's, it's too much of a delineation. Is that, is that because it, you're a casual, Theric? Is that, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's what I'm about to say. It's like <laughs> some things I am casual. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, like, but then again, I'm also competitive in other things. There are things that I want to compete with. And I, I feel like that's interesting to me. I don't do things that I'm not interested in, which sounds obvious, but you know, some people compete because they feel like they have to. Mm. And it's like, you don't have to, you can be a casual about something and competitive about other things. There's times when I'll play for eight hours and there's time when I'll, I'll do, I'll log in for 20 minutes and do something, just run around and be stupid. You know, like it's, you don't need to label people as competitives or casuals and get into this whole back and forth versus each other. I don't like that. I mean, I understand the design considerations have to be account for it, but it's like the one person said, you know, like Tony Bricado said, it's like 10 to 15%, maybe if that, you know, that really want to do the high end competitive stuff. So you don't need to. I don't know. I don't know. It, and this question actually was generated a lot of a uh, discussion. I think massively picked it up and ran a story about it. And, yeah. you know, it, it was one of those questions that I think does do a little bit of a disservice to, to Pantheon because it makes it paints it as this, you know, are you this or are you that sort of kind yeah. of game? And I don't like that, you know? Good point. Boy, what do you think? Well, Kind of uh, hard to say. If we take uh, the like the ten to fifteen percent of the population, it's more of a business decision, really. So <laughs> y- you got to please your audience. As a software developer myself, like you tend to follow the twenty eighty rule. So if you please twenty percent of your the population, you're golden. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, hiya, what do you think? I think if I had to answer in the parameters of how the question was asked, casual, competitive, or both, it would have to be both. You need yeah. a solid game, and you need that that end game, that top level, to be icing. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think um, you have to have both. Because think of the times we would hardcore raid, and we'd get so burned out. And if it wasn't for like going and collecting transmogs, which would probably be more casual, right? like going and doing that stuff and seeing old raids that we, you know, missed out in the past and stuff like that. Um, That stuff was fun. and It was something else to do to get away from the grind. And I think that everybody, no matter what style of player you are, you need that, that piece of the puzzle in an MMO to just have a night off, (laughs) I guess, way to put it. Yeah, exactly. 
So. Have a night off is exactly right. Yep. All right. We'll get into the last question here. Well, sorry, again. All right. Uh, I was going to say, I have the time to goof off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Drunken dungeon runs. Remember those? <laughs> With no gear on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last one here is uh, what is the biggest accomplishment you've ever achieved in an MMORPG? Start thinking, boys. Uh, first one here is from Jorgen Wickstrom. He says, I was a long time top 10 contributor to the EQ2 wiki. I have a few server first item discoveries in EQ2, but that's more luck than skill. Many of the raid kills that they got were not great accomplishments in the grand scheme of things, but boy, did they feel good when they happened. Um, Angs S says, uh, greatest, hard to say, memorable 24 plus hour camp of Dreslna for those sweet J-boots. Pantheon, hopefully something that is equivalent. I, what, is that EQ2? Uh, what, no, that's EQ1. What's Dres? I, I got. I had J boots on everybody. Who the heck is Dresden? Um, before the ancient Cyclops thing, I believe it was just a straight up drop in Nagena. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, the name is familiar. I know it. It's it, it is from originally Q, and I just I didn't. The name wasn't familiar to me because I didn't do that. The J boots stuff. I, I camped that ancient Cyclops for ages. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Johnson says getting a Ravenger as a hunter um, at level three for the horde. Um, and then, oh, all the sweet spirit beasts uh, with Rampage sending out five at once. Me and my wife did this PvP people with 10 spirit beasts. Um, do you, Haya, you never played with Chosen, right? The hunter, my hunter friend I told you about that never played anything but a hunter. No, I never um, had the uh, pleasure. Yeah, so he uh, he literally played WoW for like 10 years, maybe eight years, and he never played any other class. He literally played his main and that's it. And he collected like every pet and did everything he could do for a hunter. So I knew all about those spirit beasts because of that. Commitment. Uh, yeah. The next one's from Kevin. Um, they say biggest accomplishments in DDO every single past life. So I guess that means like the progeny system. Uh, yeah. Final Fantasy 14 cracking 1 billion gil. I can't play at the same times as others. So high end multiple times per week content was out for them. Um, so that's interesting. I, I've never had anywhere near a billion money of anything in any game. I, I don't even think I had a billion copper. <laughs> so, um, Basgrim said a handful of world and server first in DDO are probably my biggest game accomplishments. Then he said in Pantheon, he's looking at it differently. He's not going to shoot for world firsts. As he gets older, he realizes there's something more fulfilling about MMOs. and He just wants to foster a healthy community. Um, nice. our boy Drac couldn't make it tonight. Don't worry guys. We're not kicking Drac out or anything. He was just busy. Um, yeah, we forgot to mention that at the beginning of the show. I sort of alluded <laughs> to it and then I never came back to it, but yeah, no, Drac is the still in Pantheon Plus. The whole crew is here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except for one person and I never announced who that was, but yeah, no, Drac had real life commitments tonight. So sorry, yeah. Drac, I forgot to mention that, but yeah, we wish yeah. you were here. <laughs> he said, biggest accomplishment I could say is the Shadow Knight epic back in the day. That thing was ridiculous. I said, I... He loves goals, so he has a ton for Pantheon. One goal is to chronicle his leveling from one to max level with his day one character. That'd be kind of nice. cool. Uh, Sean Holding says, King and clearing the Plane of Time in EverQuest. Um, we continued to raid long after, but Plane of Time just felt so very epic when we were working up to it and clearing it. I never saw that. Did you guys do Plane of Time? Yep. 100% agree. It was a good time. Yeah. Boy, where did you? Nope. No. Not not fully, but Plane of Power was 
pretty good. <laughs> you didn't play in power. Okay, cool. John Wayne says, uh, mine was soft flexing group content. Hiya. I think you're going to agree with this one. I think me and you have done this a few times. He says it felt good to join a group that was having a hard time in the first and be the thing that pushed them to victory off the damage charts. He said, I joined a group one time and cleared a raid boss that they couldn't even get to. Uh, nobody could figure out how or why it worked. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I think yeah. that's so great. Yeah. When you're like, uh, you want to join this group? Yeah, let's go. Let's help them out. <laughs> what do you guys got? Uh, this, that, and the other? Oh, okay. Let's make it work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you just like one shot it. And they're like, what happened? Oh, it's fun times. I love that stuff. Um, and finally, John says he had a two-parter here. His favorite accomplishments were doing duoing behemoth with his red mage in Final Fantasy XI. So it was a 24-hour rare spawn high-level boss fight that was almost always tagged and killed by Japanese groups due to servers located in Japan. They could see it spawn and react quicker. Somehow, we managed to get the tag after a server maintenance and quickly told our friends to hurry over to the zone while we held it. But miraculously, we were able to kill it with just the two of us while a huge group of people watched. Super intense fight. That's a cool memory. <laughs> That's, That's really a very cool. cool story. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. All right. So this is tough. Uh, you know, if, if it's not your most and it's just the one that's on your mind, whatever. Um, Derek, <laughs> let's start with you. What's your most memorable? Um, yeah, I've told a bunch of these stories in the past. And I was kind of thinking like, oh, you know, trying to re think of a new one. And I thought of like, well, you know what? I'm going to go with a real recent one. And that was you know, it's kind of a silly answer, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's being the only one of the four of us when we got to play in Fortress Devayar to see that werewolf outside the window, <laughs> that lycanthrope, yeah. that was a pretty big accomplishment. I'm pretty proud of that moment because it sort of like, even though Pantheon's, you know, still whatever in pre in development, it sort of confirmed my keeper status, my, my <laughs> pre keeper status, because I was the only one who saw it. Nobody else saw it. So I'm pretty proud of that accomplishment. That's a pretty good one. That's a pretty good one. Poiru, how about you? Um, I have to say, while all of the Mage Tower Challenge I did oh. in Legion. And the one you did for me. <laughs> yeah, and the one I did for you. It was so much That's fun. That's a thing? You did that? Yeah, I did the... Uh, you didn't know that? <laughs> I may have forgotten, but I don't. I didn't know that just now. <laughs> yeah, I did yeah, the bounty one for him. He did the Paladin one. I was so geared, it was supposed to be so easy. I just couldn't do it. I just could not do it. Phase two or three or whatever it yeah, was, it was. that last phase was I rough. Couldn't, I couldn't do it. I just, no matter what I did, I just couldn't do it. Now, I did the Warlock one, but um, that was easy. You had like one legendary. You could do it easy. Yeah, you kicked those. You beat all the tanks, right? Yeah, all the tank. Uh, on all the tanking class, all of the DP. Well, I, I did much, I did pretty much all of the role I had on all of my tunes. That's awesome. Even the the healer <laughs> on my druid, which I was not playing really. Yeah, I don't think you ever healed on druid, so I'm sure that was nope, tricky. Never. I just did did it for the fun and giggle. Hey, yeah, did you get any of those done? I got a bunch done. Yeah. Um, you got all your monk ones. Yep, all three for the monk, and then a couple off specs here and there for other classes. Yeah. Uh, so, Haya, what about you? Do you have a most memorable moment? I think anytime we, me, you, Poi, uh, heard the nerd screams after downing like the the tough boss Coming. in whatever was going on at the time, um, pushing our people to to come together and just get it done. I think that's the most rewarding thing in any game ever. Yeah, I agree. Um, when we killed Coven. Yes, dude. 
That was, I've talked about that before with you, Theric. We killed Coven. That's the hardest raid fight. I don't care what anybody says. Mm-hmm. Heroic Coven is the hardest raid fight I have ever been a part of. I don't care. Like what anybody says. Yeah, yeah. That, you've mentioned it a few times. It traumatized you. It did. I mean, we literally kicked out all of our top performers because they were treating people bad and we weren't getting anywhere anyway. So we're like, well, let's just kick them out and we'll never beat this fight ever. That's kind of what we thought. And then um, we took beat it. Took the B team and beat it. <laughs> yeah, like the week. Le- That's what's crazy. We took, you know, and it's no offense to anybody, but we took the people who are more, you know, average players and we, we lose literally people who are in the top 5% of the damage meters, like top 5% on rankings and logs. And we're like, how are we ever going to do this? And we literally a week later beat it with that, with our core people, the people that cared, the good guildies. And you couldn't write a better script for like what we preached and then it happened, right? That's <laughs> so, awesome. That's yeah, awesome. that was that one. And then... um it was cool when we killed our first mythic boss too, even though it wasn't that hard. It was just cool to do that. And we, um, we really powered through some of the raids there at the end. Like, um, like we were in, in like higher tier of like first completion and stuff like that, which was kind of neat. Um, that wasn't something we had done in the beginning, but we just, they, the group played so long together that we knew how to play together. And I think that helped a lot. Like when we got into BFA when we were at the end of Legion, stuff like that. So. Nice. Pretty cool. Nice. All right. Well, that's it for VR news and notes. When the Pantheon community speaks, we listen. So let's dig into the forums and fan projects to see what the discussion is all about. Okay. So last week, VR published its most recent uh, producer's letter, which talked mostly about the road to Alpha or Alpha One, as they put it. As you can imagine, it generates a ton of discussion all over the place because, as you guys know, when it comes to when Pantheon will launch, that's perpetually topic number one in everybody's mind. And so I'm going to assume that most of our listeners have actually read the letter, so I'm not going to recap it in depth. But there's a couple key lines that I'm going to um, preface the discussion with because these are sort of form the basis for a lot of what the community was commenting about. Um, the first line that I think is key is, quote, we will list items uh, still needing work prior to Alpha to give you an idea of what remains to be done. This is not a date for Alpha, but a high-level scope of work. And then it says as well, quote, a more traditional Alpha would serve function over form, and some of the unessential bells and whistles would be excluded. So VR then goes on to say, like, Pantheon needs to serve form and function due to the high number of people that are going to experience Alpha. And then the third key line that I picked out was, we're shooting for a complete non-gray boxed zone for Alpha 1, zones for Alpha 1 to represent a level 1 to 30 experience. So I, there's some more that the community picks up on here in a minute, but um, they, uh, they do highlight that in the comments that we're going to hear. And I know all of us here had probably lots of thoughts on what was said, and you know we'll get to those as well. But um, I wanted to get a sense of what the overall community reaction to this uh, producer's letter was, because, you know, it, it's never all good or all bad. It's always somewhere in the middle. And so I'm, I tried to mix it up and find a balance here. So a couple of comments um, from the forums first. Um, the first one was from uh, Adamus. And they said, first of all, thank you guys for the great roadmap. It feels like this is definitely what I've been hoping to see and what you all mentioned you wanted to distribute. I wanted to highlight one section I thought was particularly noteworthy from the letter, um, as it can be easy, easy can uh, focus on the amount of work left to do and the fact that there isn't a date set. So he quotes this following line. He says, quote, um, so a big part of this year is exploring options on how to finish Alpha 1 within a reasonable time frame. 
Our current options are to add more resources or de-scope some of the features for A1. A little of both will be done before the year is over. So that's the quote from the letter that he's focused in on. And to him, it says, this sets the expectation, albeit loosely, that we should expect Alpha 1 in 2021. And I can see how it could be interpreted differently, though. And I'm interpreting, uh, I think interpreting it as Alpha 1 in 2021 also reflects the tone from the January roundtable. And just as a side note, that was the one with uh, CEO Chris Rowan Mm -hmm. um, when he talked about the team driving hard towards Alpha in 2021. So then the poster goes on to just finish up by saying it makes sense to withhold specific dates until they're absolutely no. And I'm happy to see that they'll be flexible in their goals and hopefully continue to increase their resources. Um, This is the desire to get to Alpha One in our hands. And it's mirrored by at least several community members who have made posts stating that uh, we will take Alpha even if it doesn't include certain classes or features. Yeah, I don't don't think it's coming in 2021. Yeah, I do. So we'll get to that in a second. Okay. I do. Um, The next one is from Frosty Glitch. So Frosty Glitch said, I can appreciate VR wanting to provide a good experience to testers. Uh, However, it's an alpha test. So there's a certain amount of understanding that comes with that even today. It just feels like an attempt to hide the current state of the game to buy them more time to get funding. And he goes on to say, they're scared to show what's behind the curtain. That might be a problem. And I would argue that opening up the state of the game uh, to alpha testers, you'll get a lot more information a lot quicker. Just rip it off like a Band-Aid and stay focused. The longer you put off the inevitable, the more likely you are to do the exact opposite of what your intentions, that being not disappointing your fans. So he's, he's advocating for uh, going in a less polished state. And then the last one from the forums is, is uh, from Darch. And they said, great information to finally see. I'm very interested to see how the uh, next pre-alpha 5 uh, testing results go. Um, one of the things that noted in the letter, and this is a line that uh, Darch focused on, was, quote, the focus of these sessions will be on combat tuning, particularly on itemization, and even more specifically on the stamina stat. We're looking for data on how gear is affecting your combat and how stamina is affecting your gameplay. So it's um, one of the curiosities, you know, that that's what he wants to know about. Um, and one of those things that really is is a, a roadmap or a signpost towards where they're, where they're at with regard to getting to Alpha. So before we get to the next one, what do you guys, Minus, you wanted to comment on why you, do, you didn't think it's going to make it to Alpha in 2021? No, I mean, I'm not saying they can't, but I, I disagree with the guy who said, like, if he's reading it, <clears throat> that, like, it's saying you're going to have Alpha in 2021. To me, it's saying 2021 is fully dedicated to getting to Alpha, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen in 2021. That's kind of the way I looked at it. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like you said, though, as soon as somebody sniffs alphas coming or all that and dates or, or next phase, like everybody's going to lose their mind. So I get it. Um, but I, I never read that as it was coming. And again, I'm not speaking for VR or anything. Um, it's just I always read it as like this year is going to be solely built on pushing towards these goals they have to get to alpha, which is good. Um, you know, they're not going to layer other things in. They're not going to put new things in like this is it. This is where we're focused. So that's kind of the way though that I looked at it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Haya, what do you think? Have you uh, have you had a chance to sort of re- read and reflect on the letter? Not overly. I um, I'm kind of in the camp of I'm just letting it ride, and when I can do this, I can do this. Yeah. 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 I mean, and that's probably the most healthy attitude you anybody can have, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm is- not trying to say that looking down my nose at you guys, but like, I, I'm just, I, I have my, my pledges in and when I'm in, I'm in, it's, it's good for me. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, and that's I've, I've advocated for that sort of approach for a long time. I've always sort of been the person who says, you know, if you're getting frustrated or if you're not like, if you're impatient, you just, just step away for a while and come back later, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be better. But, uh, boy, what about you? Do you, um, do you have any thoughts on uh, what they were saying here about the progress towards alpha in 2021? Yeah. As a software developer, uh, meeting the date is kind of, um, a sad victory compared to the sour taste of a bad release. Mm-hmm. So, uh, they, I think they should polish, even if it's a alpha, the game should be kind of, well, obviously it won't be a, a, a release quality bill, but there, there should be some polish, yeah. something that's polished. Even if feature is missing, there's expectation coming from mm-hmm. uh, an alpha. But I, I'm in a camp that it's going to be ready when it's ready, and we just have to wait. Yeah, and you know what? And and see, the thing is, is that one of the things that I, when I read the letter, um, what what I took away, and I think a lot of people took away, is that they're they're setting their sights so much higher for what alpha is than what we think of when we think of alpha. We think of like they're looking at it as very much like a more uh, like beta more like beta, very polished, but it, but on the other hand, they also kind of say in the letter, this is one of the things that I was not disappointed, but a little disheartened because it sounded like they were wanting to do both things. They wanted to say, look, this is going to be a much more finished state than you're used to. On the other hand, we're also going to be doing this in phases because like I said, in the start, you know, this is alpha one that they're talking about now. So this is saying we're going to have phases of alpha, much like we've had five pre-alpha phases, right? And that can be that can be sort of seen in my mind by some people and myself to a little bit, if I'm being honest, as a bit of a we want our cake and we want to eat it too. You know, like we want to have it in this very polished state. But we also want to have long phases or, or multiple phases. Who knows how long they'll be? Um, so I'm not trying to be critical, but I'm you know that was my honest reaction when I read it a little bit. Um, and there was there was actually an interesting post on Reddit that I'm going to just go through quickly here and. Because they were, they listed a bunch of like a laundry list of things that here's what we want to do um, for uh, alpha. This is the, these are the things we want to um, get working to get into alpha. And they were classes. And this person went through each one and said, this is the priority. This one should be cut. So the first one was classes, getting the remaining classes working. Uh, the next one was pets, uh, NPC combat awareness, uh, the networking stuff that they talked about. That the, should be um, number I, one. Like honestly, if the networking thing doesn't happen, they can't open the servers for all the massive crowd of alpha people who are going to come in. Like mm-hmm. that's a that is a number one priority, and I think that's what I think that's why this whole project has been dubbed like the the path to alpha because of that networking stack that they're going to be implementing. And let's keep in mind that's probably going to be pretty heads down. Um, now I think they learned their lesson from Fairthale, where they went real heads down and didn't hear from them forever. Um, so I think you're still going to see a lot of content coming out. They're going to have plans and stuff like that. But Kyle's going to be very head down in this network. It's probably going to take two to three months just to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, but then in this list that they that they provided was was long. I mean, this is there's like 20 items on this list, right? It's long. It's and and that's the other thing. It's like you realize how much they want to get done. And the person, you know, the, the post on Reddit here said that they should cut out a few of these things, like cut out they talked about basic guild functionality, right? Like, does that really need to be done in alpha? Um, the person said uh, another thing they talked about doing was um, doing like uh, capability to load 
um, spell and ability bar loadout, so you don't have to do it manually. Like they want that for Alpha One, I guess. Um, the looking for group tool is something that they want to do. Um, cutting uh, or more factions and, and putting those being implemented. Anyway, lots of stuff. One of the ones that they were most advocating for not being part of the list that that VR had included was um, the onboarding process for new players, right? The way that they talked about in the letter said, we don't want to hold anyone's hand, but we do, do need a way to show players how to play, particularly with systems like crafting. So, you know, does that really need to be in for Alpha 1? Um, and I won't go through the whole list, but... Um, you know, I'm sure that people who are listening have read this and have their like the ones that they think are important or not. Um, I think definitely there's some v- validity to um, some of these taking priority over others, like you said, with the networking stack. Right. So um, I don't know, though, it, it's a little bit um, it's a little bit tough to see how far the road is still ahead. Right. Sometimes when you see it like this and then what they're when when they were talking about de-scoping some of these um, things, like looking at what's really important. I think that's, I think maybe they need to take a really, you know, a closer look at some of this stuff. You guys have seen this list, minus you mentioned the the networking stack, but anything on this list jump out at you guys as being, um, you know, priority or or something that can cut? So, Poi, as, as a developer, I mean, you look at this, what do you think? Well, from a technical point of view, obviously they have to fix any game breaking stuff like the network issues if it's not fixed then nothing it won't run yeah so you have to clear like all of the technical problem preventing uh other feature from running yeah hiya what about you um, I can agree with a lot of, aside from the networking issues, um, a lot of the the guild functionality, the LFG tool, um, we live in a day and age where Discord is a third party that handles all of that stuff anyway, even with games that have that working and really good systems for them. It's already there. They could they could skip that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Minus, you mentioned the networking. Anything else on the list stand yeah, out to you? It was kind of brought up in the other thing here now. Um, hi, yeah, I'm assuming that you saw like when we got to show some of the gray box stuff, how we did like the organic gameplay and like the whole world was like checkered and and it was, you know, in a development state. I've really been a a component of like what they're trying to do is they want these zones completed for alpha. So they're real pretty. They got all their trees in, they got their grass, they got their food. Like it looks pretty. It looks like a regular zone. And then they, like you kind of said, they say like, well, alpha is a testing phase. We're doing the true alpha. This isn't early access, right? Like that's the big thing that Pantheon's been fighting against is how the culture of gaming has gone into this early access. It's not done. And they really just say that so that they can make excuses for all the issues. You're buying it anyway. You're playing the game. Um, so they're in this weird thing. where like, well, we want to use alpha to develop. We need to take feedback. We need to test things. I am, I got to tell you, again, I don't think a lot of people would agree with me. I would rather they built the entire world gray boxed before they ever finished a single zone. Because mm-hmm. when we were playing, I could care less that it was gray boxed after about 10 minutes. Um, and knowing that the whole world is complete and then they need to hide hire artists to get in and fill the, the stuff with their assets. 
I just, I don't know why I feel like that's a better way to go. Now I get, you know, Poiru kind of brought up the point of like showing this off and, you know, what does it mean when more people come in, they need to be impressed. So I get that part of it, but there's just something to me like, wouldn't it be super impressive if the entire world was built in gray box form so that you knew how it connected, that you knew where you could climb, you knew what zones looked like, the height and this different stuff. Like you could play the whole game, but then add the art on after would be, in my opinion, would be what I would do, but I know that's probably not popular at all. No, I, I agree with you. You know, and the the one, there's a part in the letter that they talk about, well, I mentioned earlier, they want the whole, um, zones, um, to represent a level one to 30, one to 30 experience, you know, a non gray box zones. So alpha one is not going to be all of King's reach. That was a previously a goal that they had set for themselves. So they're saying now that that's not what's going to be the case. And so what that means then is like, if you think about the world of Terminus, there's three content, well, there's four, but three of what they've committed to sort of being playable at this point. That means going into beta, none of Rainfall and none of um, uh, White Thought are going to be done, you know, which well, is kind of a that. crazy... Going into beta, it might be. They'd probably do it during Alpha. I think Alpha's going to be very it, long. <laughs> that's, and that's exactly right. That's exactly where I was going with that, is that that tells you that between the day one essentials that they call the Alpha One, um, you know, there's a lot of things to do between that that are going to be added. So it's not just polishing; it's like adding in these things during the alpha phases. So, but but you know, I don't know. It's it's a little confusing, and I'm not trying to be critical. I just you know, this was like be the critical. Way it's sort of you can do it. Hey? You can do it <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> I, you know, but I, but I also appreciate that a polished alpha is a really really good thing. Mm-hmm make a great first impression, get people excited, show a really cool product right off the hop. And can definitely look. drive a lot of funding if they do it right, sure. for sure. Absolutely. Um, I just think that it's a little confusing about what they are talking about day one alpha and, and what the alpha phase is going to incorporate. You know, like it's, I know that they want to keep it sort of like loose and, and keep their options open, I guess. But um, I don't know. There's a little muddy for my tastes, but uh, any other thoughts on the on the producer's letter? Anybody? A minus? Start with you. No, I've said my piece. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Poi. Hi, yeah. Any you guys? No. Okay, we're good. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. So let's um let's uh, move on then and um talk about uh, the new introductions to the community. These are uh, int- over on the introductions on uh, pantheonmmo.com. So uh Tactical Squirrel was the first one, which is a great great name by the way. <laughs> Tactical Squirrel. I said, "Hey everyone, I'm a new Pathfinder pledge. Uh, I'm excited to get see the game started uh develop more and more. I've been playing MMO since early EQ. I started playing EQ in its original form a couple months before its first expansion, and then I switched to WoW shortly after it came out. I've been bouncing around a lot over the past few years in Survivor games. I'm looking forward to a game I can really sink my teeth into, and I think MMOs really need something like this. Very interested in playing a rogue or a monk. And Definitely then uh, next... Play a rogue. Monk. Yeah. Monk. <laughs> yeah, this is right. Oh, man. This is a perfect introduction for our cast today. You guys are well represented. Um, yeah. And then the next one was devoided. They said, uh, hello everyone. It's time to join this awesome community. First experience playing MMORPGs was at an internet cafe using my lunch money backing, uh, back Jeez. in 2002. <laughs> Crazy, right? Did you guys ever do internet cafes? I never did. No, I never had. No. no, no. So expensive. I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they go on to say, since I haven't felt the same excitement for any MMO until witnessing Pantheon getting closer, uh, day by day to launch. 
to you all at the end somewhere in, Tamin in Terminus. And then shout out to Basgram and Nathan Napalm for uh, spent countless nights consuming their quality content. So that's always good to hear. Nice. Uh, Finsterness is the next one. And they said, <clears throat> uh, greetings a few years late. Pledged a while back, I've been following on the forums and videos, invested my entire EQ adventure on the Lannis server in the Shadow Order until Luplin, uh, when real life choked off my ability to raid and I never really loved any expansion after Velius. Their main was a wizard, and if any of my old guildies happened to... I knew it. Didn't like anything after... Yeah, of course. If you were a wizard, when that expansion came out, it was miserable. Miserable. <laughs> everything had so much more health, you didn't have enough mana to kill everything, and ice combat was worthless. Anyway, again. Yeah. <laughs> After Velius, I was out after really Velius. What'd you say, Aya? Tell us how you really feel. Oh, what is, being a wizard had some very tough moments. <laughs> oh, we need Drac here. We need Drac for the wizard insight. Uh, so he says, um, if any of my old guildies happen to be on this, uh, feel free to PM me. I was most active in the guild in the early days. And then from early rating through uh, from Velius to Luplin, would like to see any of the old crew returning for another round. Really excited for Pantheon, like the direction things are heading. Um, last, uh, second last one was Elysian Angel, and they said, hello, peeps have been passionate about MMOs since uh, I played for about 20-odd years, following Pantheon since 2014-2015. Uh, from my current point of view, I'll probably end up playing a human paladin or a dark merc cleric <clears throat> with uh, other as, others as slightly less important alts. I'm quite looking forward to seeing more paladin reveals later on. Haven't decided on a name yet for my characters, um, but I'll mostly using up, use the names I've used in the past. They are Electra, Fantasy, Zira, Moya, and Madeira. And then lastly was Mogwai. And they said, I started playing MMOs when I was six, and I have continued to play them when my time is free. Devoted myself to this game by pledging because I very much see it as going somewhere. Excited for Alpha, and EQ is my favorite MMO by far. Going to main a warrior, um, and I'll need a guild with some friends to play with. So hope to see you all in the realms of Terminus. Oh, and that's it for this week's community discussions. I feel like that last one was an attack on me liking Transmog. Controversy! Or is it? Okay, so well, this one kind of came out of nowhere this week for a controversy. Earlier this week, VR announced they have a fundraising, a fundraising site with unique digital artwork through the use of NFTs or non-fungible tokens. I'm not even sure I'm saying that right. Uh, but I had to come to learn about these because honestly, I knew nothing about NFTs before this. So I actually read up on them quite a bit as a result of this uh, announcement. And to sum it up in one line, I mean, you guys probably know more about this than I do. I'm not, you know, up to speed on these kinds of things. So, but it's basically like an entirely digital collectible with a unique identifier that ensures you have, it ensures it's like the unique original copy. And that's what that's what VR is like sending or, or selling and, and on their uh, this site that they've set up. So the bottom line is it uses blockchain, blockchain technology and it's pretty cutting edge in the world of like digital artwork. And it caused a bit of a stir in the community for um, on a few different fronts. Um, some people had some big problems with it and uh, others did not. So I, like I said, I had to research this and um, I've got some thoughts on it, but uh, you know, Poi, you're a technical guy. You're, you're probably aware of this kind of stuff. You, uh, do you know about NFTs? What are your thoughts on this? Uh, it could be risky because technically NFT is just like a, a link to any website or in this case to an artwork. So it could go down. And from there, what is your token worth now? Right. Yeah, that was the, some of the stuff I read was like, 
you know, sort of like they could close the window, like it might still be there, but that window can be closed for you to access it sort of thing was anyway. You own the title to that artwork that won't ever change. It is encoded in the blockchain. However, is that artwork still accessible at some point in time? That's the big question. Right. Yeah. Interesting stuff. What about you? Do you uh, do you know about this stuff? Um, I know very little, and I understand even less. <laughs> um, <laughs> Same boat. Uh, I don't see a controversy. I just think they're trying to stay in tune with what's happening these days. I know that there was a guy who sold an NFT like JPEG image for sixty some million dollars yeah. recently. So, like, yeah. this is the newest thing. Let them ride it out. It, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Oh, yeah, do yeah. you think we could sell our ugly gnome picture that we took? The the selfie we took of our ugly old gnomes and we could NFT that to somebody? Gotta be worth a few million, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> what did we call that? Well, gnomes Night Out? Yeah. Oh, we looked awful. It was so good. One little thing. Uh, regarding like the artwork going down, we have to remember that there's an actual company behind those tokens. Mm-hmm. So the odds of uh, the sites or wherever that artwork is also going dark, I would say are pretty slim. Now, am I wrong yeah. in thinking when you would buy this thing, like like the person who bought it for millions, do they not have the file and the blockchain on the file? Like, don't they have it? I don't like, I, that's, it's, I gotta be honest. It's super confusing to me. I, yeah, I agree with you. Like I've read yeah, about it. No I've, I've, there's literally, because I talked about it once, my phone has endless articles now because Google's always listening. Um, <laughs> and, and most of the articles honestly are negative. It's like people complaining about it because it feels like, you know, in this really, it's, it's not even about NFTs. It's more about like Bitcoin. Like this is really all started with Bitcoin and it's Bitcoin evolving into different things. And you have people who think Bitcoin's the stupidest thing in the world. And you have people who think Bitcoin's great. And the, the people, here's what I, I'm going to get roasted for this because I'm not super educated on it, But here's my take on like Bitcoin. It feels like really rich people finding a way to value this other currency because they have so much money they can play with it. And then they get people with less money to invest into it to make them more money with this fake currency. That's what it feels like to me. And now we're using this fake currency to, to like create these blockchains, these unique code lines. And then like the big argument that, that, that a lot of people try to throw against NFTs, like, Oh, you, I've seen the same quote 7,000 times. It uses more (laughs) energy to make an NFT than in some small countries. It's like, (laughs) okay. Like NFT is going to kill the world. That's, that's what's going to do it. Like nothing else that we do. It's going to be NFTs, digital images with a, a blockchain. Yeah, I, excuse so, me while I go drive my Hummer to the grocery store for yeah, two while minutes. I play, to, uh, uh, <laughs> while I play EverQuest six boxed on my six computer screens, right? <laughs> right. Like Six boxed. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How many boxes have you played on EverQuest? <laughs> two. A couple. <laughs> <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny the amount. He's got a nuclear reactor in the backyard powering his his rig right now. <laughs> yeah, no, this is a this is a crazy one, and and like I said, I, I actually enjoyed learning about this because it was something I I when I saw this tweet, it was funny. I saw it from Pantheon from VR, and I I just liked it because I'm like you know whatever it seems like a cool thing, and then I look started looking into. It, I'm like whoa, like this is kind of crazy stuff. But 
it's such a unique way for them to do it. And it's so like, it's so on par with the way that this company does things. Like they're just sort of like not trying things. Fall. Yeah. Trying new things, trying different things. Although, you know, Pantheon's a throwback in a lot of ways, yeah, but they're also the, yeah. very on that, the go ahead. I'm sorry. I keep kind no, of I'm just going to say like, they're very on the, on the cusp of the, the new way of doing business or a, a new trend in, in things. So it's, it's very interesting. Here's the problem I have though, before I go on to too far and I forget what I was going to say, but the problem is, is that they're already, when you're making an MMO and, and the, you know, MMO space is so filled with selling digital things, right. And digital stuff that's not, has no basis in reality and doesn't, you know, you can't even own, you can't even experience Like you look at like ashes of creation. I'm not going to crap on them, but like all these d- digital pre-order stuff that they sell on cosmetics. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you, it, it's sort of the same idea. And one of the, it's a, it's a, um, sort of tag that gets attached to a lot of these Kickstarter MMOs or fun, crowdfunded MMOs um, that they try to sell this stuff. And this is, definitely falls into that category. So I hate to see mm, VR get... I would just I, I look at it. Okay, yeah. I think it's it's not exactly the same, but it's it's close enough that well, I like, think... Like spending $10,000 on a, a ship in Star Citizen that if the game launches ever you know, with their bajillions of dollars they have, you're going to have a huge advantage because you're going to have this $10,000 starship that you bought that other people aren't going to have. That's game changing. This is outside of it. So it's hard for me to relate the two, but I get mm-hmm. where your head is because what I was going to say is the reason that some people think this is a controversy is because of a few things that you mentioned. One, this is an old school crowd for most, like a big part of the Pantheon crowd is old school, uh, still playing EverQuest you know, that's their game that kind of disenfranchised with a lot of the newer MMOs. Um, and I think that crowd, number one, doesn't know what the hell an NFT is. And when they do read about it, like we did, they're like, this is the dumbest thing ever. And we even pretty much think that as well. Um, so I think it's just, it's, it's tough. This is, it is new. It's cutting edge. Like Gronk sold, um, like playing cards of himself, in NFT that are like special poses. Oh, um, did he really? Wow. Yeah. And he <laughs> made like $7 million off of them. There's like four cards he sold. So, I mean, it's, this is, this is everywhere right now. Everyone's mm. trying to gain a buck from these people who have endless money and they're idiots buying it. And to be yeah. honest, my whole thing is, is the reason that I think people think it's a, a controversy is one, it's difficult to understand Two, It's really outside of the scope of the player base. And they're just like, what are you doing? They don't, I think people think there's a lot more to it. There's really not. It's pretty simple. It's like, Hey, here's a thing we want to post. And then another site pretty much handles it. Right. Um, and then again, the other part is the people who are like climate fighters and, and that's fine if that's what you do, but like they're so against this because of the, the mining of bitcoins costs so much energy and power and graphics cards yeah. and all this stuff. So like, I understand that there's, it's a very foggy in my opinion. I don't care at all. They're doing this any way. This game can make money that isn't like robbing or as long as they don't get caught, um, which isn't bad. That's going to shut the game down. Um, I'm fine with, um, I yeah. think what it is, is that this, I wonder how much money it can actually make them for the confusion it's going to cause. Yeah, that's, 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 that's where right. I'm exactly. Yeah. yeah, it it does. It just comes down to, is it, a, is it offset by the sort of negative PR you might get from doing something like this? Because just for the reasons you stated, you know, like, does that offset any money you and might I make? And I don't anyway? think it's like a PR is in like a mass PR. It's just like your hardcore player base, like old schoolers are going to be like, this is yeah. dumb. 
Yeah, yeah. It's and just I, I don't bit, disagree. To be honest. Yeah, it's just sort of out there, and it was just interesting to read the you read the controversy and the the some people had some very very you know strong opinions about it, which was mm. kind of kind of surprising. But then again, and and since that tweet, you know, they haven't really mentioned it anywhere. So you know, I, I, I hope they do make money. I mean, if if it makes them money and it's you know morally, I think right now you can okay put a thing. bid down for fourteen eth- Ethereum. Is that what it's called, boy? Do you know? It's like yep. a type, yeah, Ethereum. But uh, 14 cents of Ethereum is like $270. So right now, if you wanted this, last I checked, it's $270 is where they're at. We are, boy, we are living in the matrix, are we not? I mean, can we confirm <laughs> or deny we are actually living in the matrix? Because this is some crazy Ethereum. Like, what the what the heck's going on? <laughs> I don't know, dude. I don't know. All my investments are in Doge, so... <laughs> Because oh, uh, yeah. Elon Musk said so. <laughs> yep. Well, I, I bought a GameStop a month ago, so I'm doing pretty well. So. Oh, wow. You're retired now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm living in my GameStop actually right now. I'm recording from <laughs> my store. in my GameStop. <laughs> David Lukil and just be happy. <laughs> That's the best advice anyone has ever given anyone in the history of time. So, Well, let's all go we through. Just, let's all go through it. We have to say controversy or not. Satheric, you start. Yeah, it's a controversy. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I wish it weren't, but apparently it is. <laughs> Boy, real. I'm leaning toward controversy. I'm going to say not. I, I get that it's causing chaos in the thought for some people, but I don't think people not understanding something is enough to create real controversy. So that's, <laughs> I'm going to say no. Well, you're right. And it'll probably be forgotten in a month yeah. or three. Here's it why it'll be forgotten will. because the person who's really mad can't explain it so they can't argue about it <laughs> if everything that n- people didn't understand was controversial we would be an endless <laughs> list of controversies <laughs> yeah could you imagine like you go up to like your wife right like oh you're not gonna believe what pantheon did they made this ntf thing and did fungi it, tunics just, <laughs> they have fungi <laughs> tunics or something that you yep. get <laughs> fungi tunics oh man somebody needs to make a meme with that and pantheon and fungi tunics because selling fungible. selling your images for fungi tunics <laughs> <laughs> there you go exactly, exactly. Uh, well let's uh wow let's let's leave it there and and uh we'll we'll uh come back to this in two years if it's still an issue <laughs> and with that that's the uh that's the segment let's go on to the mailbox here's the mail it never fails it makes me want to wag my tail when it gets here i just yell mail we're getting sued all right that song means it is time for the mailbox i still love that song um Thank we haven't you. gotten sued yet so um so there's four questions today we'll all kind of go around and uh uh, list off some stuff here. We'll start with Mirth. It says, what feature setting policy or in-game event to include holiday representation would cause you to write off Pantheon and stop supporting pre-launch or quit playing post-launch? Um, okay. Uh, Theric, I'm hoping you prepared something and we'll start with you. <laughs> <laughs> Your hope would be misplaced because I did not prepare something. <laughs> I, I decided to take these ones just sort of as they come off the cuff. Um, you know, what would cause me to, to stop supporting Pantheon or, or following? Um, <clears throat> you know, I think if they, uh, if they decided that the beta needed to be like, you know, as polished as the, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I I don't know. I, I think just the long road ahead, like I said, with the alpha one, the newsletter, the producer's letter, I just, I think that there's a, there's a limited amount 
of time that they can reasonably expect people to keep sort of hanging around. I mean, I will still support them. It's a matter of how much I can, you know, how much I can do, you know, like I can't yeah. do like, you know, a, a weekly podcast and all the other stuff that we do um, for 10 more years. <laughs> for, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. That is what I was trying to say. Yeah, so I gotcha. Yeah. Um, hiya. Anything there in the, in the realm of holiday representation, if I have to listen to Mariah Carey's All I Want for You is, uh, for Christmas is You in game ever, I'm out. <laughs> Otherwise, no, I'm good. That's a good one. Boy, are you ready? Think if there is something that was in there that make you like, I'm out. No, not really. We kind of have a, a good feel of where this is heading. Yeah. Um, I would love to jokingly say, like, if they don't have transmog, I'm out, but that's not the case. Like, I'll be sad. I'm going to definitely well, be only, really sad. The only thing that would make me a, a sand panda would be like any kind of pay to wing feature. Mm. Okay. I like cash. I like loot boxes. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Everybody. Womp, womp. Yeah. yeah. I'd be sad. I still, I'll, I would still play the game, but hmm. yeah, I think we'd all feel that way. I think if you had to pick, if they put a setting or a feature in the game where you had to pick Republican or Democrat, I'm out. <laughs> oh God! Well, don't even, don't even. If choke. real life politics came into the game, I'm out. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, the next one here is from uh, Calton. They said, uh, "How about a discussion of needed, expected guild tolls features and what the devs have said about this?" Now, Haya, I'm going to start with you because you kind of said, like, ah, you know, with Discord and stuff, how much do you need? We may disagree, so. What do you, what would you like to see? Like, think back to being in WoW and running that guild. Was that enough? Was there something you wish you could have seen or something more impactful you would do? What do you thought? Um, I might not be the, the person to give a good definitive answer on this because like, even with the tools that were offered in WoW, I would still go to third-party websites to get information on our guild members on, mm. on, on whatever. Like I was all over WoW players and log sites and all this stuff, so whatever's there it will be used and whatever's lacking will be found somewhere else. That's interesting. So maybe don't put too much time into it. Yeah. A, a good functional UI so you can see who's on in the chat. Um, that's about the basics of all you need. All right. Poiru, how about you? Well, I definitely agree. Hmm. I'm, I'm kind of, okay. I'm going to be going a different route here. So Theric, how about you before I finish up on this one? Um, you know, I just, I'll just say that they know that, like they've talked about the importance of guilds and, and creating a solid, um, guild tools and, and things like that. They know how important it is for a game like this, even more so than other games in the genre right, right now, at least, um, this is the kind of thing that they want to get right. And we've talked about it on the show before about how really important it is that you're able to manage your guild properly, you know, deal with, you know, um, item distribution and, you know, if you use like DKP points, that kind of stuff, you know, like mm -hmm. they just need to have a, a really strong set of tools. They know that. Yeah. And hi, I'm I'm not sure if you guys have heard that, but they are actually looking to have a built-in guild DKP tool, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. so. Who's using DKP in 2021? Seriously. <laughs> all the EverQuest honestly. people. All the people who, who are still who's using EverQuest. DKP in this day and age. Honestly, <laughs> I, I don't think it's a thing. <laughs> um, so for me, you know, one of the things I talked about is one of the problems with running a guild is that the modern person, not even gamer, the modern person, as soon as they're upset, is totally willing to ghost their their quote unquote friends. Um, you know, call that a, a product of social media, uh, call it what you will. 
But I think something that would be cool with a guild is like not being able just to have people just jumping guild to guild to guild to just get what they want and move on to have it be where there's some kind of like tenure system um, that's actually meaningful so that when you stay in a guild, like it matters and you work through problems because you don't want to leave that guild and having some kind of like tenure based system that's built into the game. Now the, the, the number one argument I get when I bring this up is people like, well, what if you have a good leader who's a jerk and they kick you out and you lose it all? There'd have to be something thought of for that. But I think that that would be really cool to have like something about your time spent or your hitting anniversaries in a guild being actually meaningful to your play. I think that would be cool. Right. Yeah. You've mentioned that before. And I always like that idea when you bring it up, because I think it really encourages, you know, to stick through the tough times, right. To, to, to not give up on the earliest sign of trouble, you know, which is something you see that quite a bit. So. And maybe um, just like don't be idea. a dick. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, if it was only that easy, if, if, if <laughs> I should put it, if I had a sign outside my house, that's what it would be is just be, don't be a dick, you know, like, <laughs> but it's not that easy, you know, maybe that can be your guild, you know, motto, who knows, but, uh, you know, what is, what were you going to say? Aya? You're like, yeah, <laughs> to don't be a dick. That's, that's, you know, the number one pillar of life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Two more questions. Uh, second to last one here from your Gator bait says, what class do you think will be most likely to be the best solo class? Um, they say, <laughs> <laughs> they say, personally, my gut is telling me summoner is going to be very strong. solo class. Uh, I'll start on this one. Cause I keep finishing. It's easier. Um, I, I'm going to say summoner for sure. The, the goals with the summoner pet, number one, you're able to equip it and it keeps equipment. That's insane. Like, I don't even understand how that's going to work. Apparently, like <laughs> pets may have their own mastery and they're going to level with you. I imagine like a beast up like tank pet is going to be nuts. Um, and then you're able to have summoners are able to have the water pet out with another pet um, as you progress and your water pet heals. So your water pet heals your other pet. And if you built like a beastly tank, I think that's a crazy it might not I be forgot fast, about all that. You're right. I mean, I forgot all that information. We haven't heard about the summoners so long. I totally <laughs> forgot. You're right, though. I just can't imagine any class is going to be more uh, solo easy than the summoner. I mean, maybe when the necro comes out, possibly. But I got to I got to think summoners for sure. I, you know what? It's easy for me to say ranger just because I know them well. But but look at the skills that they have. Right. Look at the the ability to leap in, then leap out. You know, and, and every time they do that move, they get you know the next. Uh, melee for one is an automatic crit. The one, the next one, a ranged attack after the other one is an automatic crit. Um, I think, I think, and you know, Rangers with the traps and the snares and the, the things that they do, just like old EQ, right? They weren't the best solo class in EQ, but I think that, I think that's going to get made up for, you know, I think that mm -hmm. there's some, some uh, penance that's going to be paid to poor EQ Rangers from back in the day that we're going to be able to do a bit of soloing and quite well. So, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah. What do you think I have? Uh, I think, you know, the Ranger's just a death, uh, death touch eater. Um, <laughs> I think Shaman eater. might have a good, a good play at it with slows and dots and controlling the, 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 the stuff, you know, healing themselves. It might be longer kills, but being, yeah, able to do but it, I, yeah. I, I still think it'll be capable. Hmm, it's a good one. Poirot. Uh, I would say the Pali, but that's just wishful thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, if you want to make it happen, you can make it happen. You just keep soloing and you'll, you'll depending find on how their heels are. I mean, if they can tank, they can take a hit and they can heal again. It might be the long run fighting, but could be. maybe against undead. 
Remember in WoW, like uh, the uh, early PvP pally fight that would take <laughs> forever? Yeah. Yeah. Hi, uh, didn't we fight forever once with two like healers or something? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to say it was my monk and your DK. Oh, okay. And it just never ended. <laughs> we just quit because <laughs> it was like forever. Um, Rage quit. Yeah, so interesting. Two of you picked your own class. You're greedy. You know, I would never <laughs> do something like that. Never, never, ever. Rogues no. will not be the best solo class. Rogues will be the best adventuring class, for sure. Um, but as far as um, soloing, no. We, no. We, uh, we strike from the shadows. And finally <laughs> here, uh, Crinkled says, as the majority of us know, life interrupts gaming. How long do you feel is a good, let's call chair time? An uninterrupt in an uninterrupted time frame between AFK periods. Yeah. So is I had a, is it I had the other way around? Like, <laughs> what do you think? What do you mean? What do you, yeah, he's oh. trying to say like, when do you think like you only get fifteen minutes to get up? Other than that, you're down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I put this one in. This question was was very meaningful to me because my back has been killing me lately, and I'm like these long shows that we do like these pantheon plus use <laughs> the, the guild the night where we play uh you know the mmorpg classes 101 we're like we're gonna get a better a chair i have a good chair you want to know the secret what's the secret get a standing desk and do squats while you play oh you know what i bought a kneeling chair and i'm actually in it right now and it's yeah, like those are great too it's a little bit better but i couldn't imagine that two hours mm. is is basically max I'm, I'm looking at two hours max of chair time before i need to uh a little afk time but uh that's just me you guys probably can do more than that but uh <laughs> yeah what do you think? you're 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 better you're you can go long stance how long is your chair time <laughs> oh yeah remember our 24 hour bfa session that you bailed on me for <laughs> i didn't bail yeah you did you went to bed <laughs> i dinged before you did no you bailed that night because I ended nope. up, you were like, I'm going to bed. And I'm like, well, this sucks. And I was like, so I laid down on the floor beside my chair for an hour. <laughs> no, I only went to sleep after I dinged. I remember it quite well. Right. I sent my family away for the week. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. I don't ever, I always say to you, like, I'm going to enjoy it. We're not going to do this. And then it's like. And then we, we rush Max. Yeah. Every time. Every time. Yeah, that's what you've been saying for the last two years to me. You're like, don't worry, I'm going to slow down. I'm like, I want to. Sl- I, I do want to slow down and do more in Pantheon and like, because I'm going to be streaming it and stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We, we need a group. So if everyone's going um, to bed, back on go. topic, the hour is probably the the smart health decision to be in your chair for the maximum. <laughs> health. Very, that's what we did in raids. Smart. We did you know one hour, then a what was it, ten minute break. Yeah, we did between five and ten every hour. Yeah. And that was mainly because if we were dying forever on a boss, like we wanted people to get up and stretch and like get over it and come back and be better. So there was that. Yeah. (laughs) It was like a mental health thing. It was. Some listen, sometimes it was very much so a mental health thing. It was like me being on the verge of like wanting to kill a certain guilty or something. Remember (laughs) Elk? Oh jeez. Yep. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, so it was needed for health for sure. All right. Well, a little bit longer episode. I think we've actually done longer episodes in this, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, yeah, wow. Great. Oh, too bad. We're, we're doing well. Yeah. So Poi, thank you for uh, showing that you're a real human being tonight. Um, yeah. 
Possibly. <laughs> I am. Possibly. Still not. Verdict's ready to confirm or deny that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and hey, uh, it's been a long time, man. It's awesome to, to make some content with you. Uh, it's kind of crazy, man. One year, the rewind, we had just hit 54 episodes of Pantheon plus you. It's it's just nuts thinking back. I was watching some of our old videos and it was just like, wow, we were awful. <laughs> yeah, but you got to start somewhere. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Except for maybe have your audio, maybe have your audio not kill people's ears. Like how bad our audio was the first like three videos we made. Yeah. Uh, Oh, well, you live, you learn. Yeah. Well, Theric. It was great having you guys on for the episode. It was, it was fun listening to your, your stories with you guys playing WoW. And it's, uh, it's nice to, uh, to mix it up a little bit and have a little, uh, few extra voices in the, uh, in the show today. So that's, thanks for joining us today, guys. It was awesome. Yeah, we, fun. we just need to get a solid healer in this group because Drac's going to be DPSing. Like this group's pretty solid. You know, I can do yep. the CCing, uh, even though people are upset about it. You got the off tank slash whatever puller he's going to do. You got your tank and in, in, uh, Poiver. You got your hunter and your, I'm sorry, hunter, <laughs> your ranger, <laughs> your ranger okay. and your, uh, your wizard. So we just really need, we need to find a solid healer who's going to hang out with us all the time. <laughs> I think we can do it. We have to, yeah. we'll have to do some recruiting. Yeah, and then we need like a backup DPS for when Theric needs to get up and leave. <laughs> for when high <laughs> death touches me. <laughs> yeah. Apparently I'm Probably target me. number one. Hey, listen, you chose the death class. All right, everybody, <laughs> thank you for an awesome uh, week of the Rewind. 50 episodes, one full year. Unbelievable. Um, the only weeks we missed were that Christmas two weeks that we decided. Two weeks of that, Christmas, that's right, yeah. Was it, and that was planned. So uh, thank yep. you, everybody, for supporting us for so long. Um, thank you again to Haya and Poiru for joining us and uh, having some fun tonight. And uh, we'll see you guys next week on The Rewind. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Be sure to follow Minus and all Pantheon Plus related content on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube under the name Pantheon Plus. Also, be sure to follow Theric at Pantheon Theric on Twitter. Keep up to date on all Pantheon Rise of the Fallen information on www.pantheon.plus, the definitive source for all media of Pantheon. Until next time.